Welcome to the MoGraph Mentor Podcast. My name is Michael Jones. MoGraph Mentor is the online school for motion graphics featuring a nine-month mentorship program where we've taken the best aspects of an art and design curriculum and placed it into a nine-month intensive mentorship program that teaches you the technical, artistic, and professional aspects of succeeding in the motion design industry. Learn more about MoGraph Mentor at mographmentor.com. Okay, welcome to the podcast. Today we're speaking with Remington McElhaney. Remington is currently a UX motion designer at Google. He was one of the very first individuals to uh, take classes at MoGraph Mentor. So Remington, thank you very much for taking some time to chat today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, you and I go way back, so it's cool, cool hearing all we that. Go- we go way back. I was just like exporting some of our application data from we like switch platforms and just seeing your name as like the very first person who had ever applied to MoGraph Mentor. So thank you for giving it a chance. I would love to just quickly go through your background, where you're from originally, and then how you got into motion design. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the real quick version is I grew up in North Idaho um, in a town of 500 people. So very small, um, not a huge design scene by any means, um, <laughs> but I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Growing up, I think I always had like a really strong interest in design, and particularly in like design with computers. Um, and so, from a very young age, I was always using like Photoshop and Flash and all those things, and hitting the tutorials. And I was just super interested in all of that. Um, and the reason why I ended up actually learning After Effects and Motion was purely because. Uh, my friends and I wanted to make lightsabers in movies. Um, and so I learned After Effects so we can make lightsabers and never actually ended up making like a Jedi film, but that was kind of what got me into it. Um, and then when I was uh, probably 16 or 17, yeah, 16 at the time, I was working at a restaurant. Uh, and what I would do is I'd work at the restaurant until like 11 o'clock at night. I would come home and I'd watch After Effects tutorials till like two or three in the morning. And just like video co-pilot Andrew Kramer tutorials um, for hours. And I just did that every night for years and just kind of learned that way. And then was your first studio job at Veracity Collab in Southern California? It was, yeah. Yeah, and that was huge for me because I, um, after I did the tutorial thing for a while, I, I started freelancing, uh, doing motion design. But it was all from Idaho. It was like 100% remote clients of so people from all over the world and uh, really cool opportunities, but I never like was ever sitting directly with anybody and like working with them or collaborating or learning. And so, yeah, for me to get into veracity and like to sit down and have people like Paul Slemmer, who was just like amazing at motion and would literally leave me like 50 notes on my, you know, my rough drafts and stuff. Uh, but it was like super good for me to like, just be in that environment around other people that like Finally, like I was around people that understood what I was working on and were better than me and could like push me and show me new things. And like coming from an environment where I was just all by myself and kind of like topping out with, I knew my work wasn't good enough, but I didn't, I was at the point where like, I knew it wasn't good enough, but I didn't really know how to make it better. Um, and that's also where like motion, like um, MoGraph Mentor was just so helpful as well to like get the mentor feedback and just to be engaged with other students and just to have people that aren't like, my like girlfriend or my mom, like telling me like what they thought of my motion pieces. <laughs> yeah. It looks great, honey. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think that's 
for so many people getting into an environment like that, then your growth is just so rapid because, you know, the deadlines are tight. You're producing so much more work being in that environment with, with experienced artists. And I've always just been incredibly impressed with the quality of work that Veracity um, does. So that's amazing. You got to be in that environment. Um, and then what inspired you to want to apply at Google? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think just Google in general is, is appealing. I think it's not, it's not a company like until several years ago, I even ever thought I would be able to work at or have a role at. Um, but I think when they launched material design in like 2014 and they talked about it at Blendfest and you, you could kind of see like, oh, like they're like a company that's really thinking pretty deeply about motion and like motion as a brand and like how you like express a company and like all these things that I really hadn't seen other companies do before. Um, and I found it really fascinating. Um, probably like a lot of people. Um, and so I had applied uh, and just heard nothing back, like, which I think is probably pretty mm -hmm. common. Um, it wasn't until I was messaging Adam Plouffe when he uh, had just joined Google and we were messaging about something else, but uh, he kind of ended by letting me know he's going to Google. And I was just like, dude, congrats. You know, that's amazing. That's like my dream job. So, you know, have fun. Um, and then that was kind of it. And then he messaged me back a couple months later and he was like, hey, like, you know, were you serious about wanting to work here at Google? And I think we could use more people like you. And I was like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm definitely pretty serious about it. Uh, and so, yeah, he told me to send my resume over and I did. And the very next day I had a recruiter calling me to set up a phone interview. So. Um, wow. Interesting. Okay. Really I don't just, know if I knew that. Yeah. So you, knowing somebody is, is a huge um, uh, asset potentially in that situation. Yeah, yeah. The main thing it guarantees you is it guarantees you that someone's going to review your application um, yeah. and get back to you. And so like when they get just like a sea of applications, like it's it's really hard to like stand out. And like recruiters, I think, don't always even know what to look for for a specific role. Like if it's like motion sure. design, like it's kind of a little abstract for them. And so, yeah, I mean, his yeah. referral was huge for me. Yeah. So tell us about life at Google. What does the average week kind of look like for you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it varies quite a bit, um, which is kind of nice. But for me, an average week, honestly, very little After Effects these days, which is a little mm. sad, but that's okay. Um, it, it depends on how we, kind of the time of year, I guess. And so we we ship yearly, like a new, um, there'll be like a new Pixel phone and there'll be new, you know, an Android release to go with that. And so it depends on what time of year we are in. Um, like currently, mm. uh, it being July, we we just wrapped up our latest release and now we're just planning for the next one. And mm -hmm. so like my week this week will be pretty, pretty unstructured. A lot of um, just like just thinking a lot about what we want to do for the next year, making, you know, like mocks and decks and plans and working with designers and kind of like, what do we want to do for the following year? Um, I think my favorite time of year is, is kind of like when we're implementing. So we've already kind of like decided everything we've, done all the meetings and reviews and we're actually just like sitting down with engineers and trying to get things mm -hmm. built and that's what I'm just coming off of the last like five or six months in that that's really enjoyable for me because it's just really like yeah just sitting down and playing with what they have and trying to see like okay like what are the pieces that you've built how can we improve it how can we just tweak it and uh getting to like play with it live in the code is it, that's a lot of fun Interesting. Yeah, I guess that's an interesting aspect of this is what that production pipeline looks like in terms of, you know, if I'm describing your job correctly, you're really focused on the the details of the animation related to 
all of the interaction when you press a button, when you type in your code wrong on your phone. Um, am I getting that correctly? You're really then focusing in on the nuance of, of how everything moves within the operating system? Yeah, yeah. I think over time, my role, I would even describe it much more as it's becoming way more about interaction design than motion design, but it's it's always yeah. through the, the lens of a motion designer, which is really helpful. Um, so while other people are potentially like worried about other things or maybe the more static states of a flow, like I'm definitely the one that's like deeply invested in making sure like how you get from point A to point B is very seamless and smooth. And um, But it ends up touching much more than just I guess, specifically motion, because it's such a connected experience, you kind of have to be involved with visuals and interaction and those things as well. Um, but yeah, yeah, that sounds accurate. Interesting. And you describe yourself as a UX motion designer. My understanding of UX is that it's often a very research heavy job. And I don't know if that is is something that you do, but I think one thing is like, are you testing um, variations of animations with users before you deploy things, or is that just kind of internal testing? What does it look like in terms of validating what makes one kind of interaction better than another? Yeah. Um, so yeah, we definitely, we have a great research team and so we collaborate a lot with them. Um, and it's super important. I've, I've been able to go on several research trips since I joined in different countries and different places. And like, it's, it's pretty humbling to see, what your assumptions are and then what people's actual like experiences with them. Um, and so, yeah, research is super important just to making sure that what we're doing is actually helpful, that we're solving real problems, that what we are trying to communicate is being communicated. And that's, that's very challenging. That's, that's probably the biggest challenge of interaction design. It's just, um, you know, you have this flow in your head and you think it makes so much sense, but trying to get the users to understand that is, is very challenging. Um, but when you do it, it's also really rewarding. So in terms of like how we validate or things like that, I think it's definitely based on just like, can they complete, you know, the task we're trying to help them complete? Um, is it, is it faster? Do they think it's, you know, easier, um, in terms of like motion design, like we don't really test things that are like more subjective very often, like, oh, is that easing feeling better or like, um, Maybe we'll touch on timings, but a lot of that is kind of subjective. And um, I think it's unfortunate that like my team kind of allows, you know, myself and the rest of our team to kind of lead in a lot of that and make our best, you know, effort towards that. But ultimately, like, you know, I'll get feedback from some people that, oh, it's too fast or it's too slow. And it's kind of the feedback will be kind of be all over the place. And so you kind of just pick what you what you think and you feel is the best. And unless, you know, research is like very strong, like against it, you just kind of have to run with it. Yeah. What would you say is the biggest challenge of your job with each uh, each version of the platform? Yeah, um, I think so. I've just finished up my fourth release. And so I think just as each release has gone, I've, I've gained more responsibility in them, which is really great. Um, but then you're also touching uh, more areas and kind of bigger areas. And so um, I guess there's a couple challenging things. One is just prioritization because there's it's a huge OS. There's a lot of things going on and we don't have a huge motion team. And so trying to figure out like, all right, where's the place I can have the most impact and the teams I can have the most impact with, that's kind of one thing. And then within that, I think it's just, um, it's learning to just think through all the different dependencies of every time you change one thing, it affects 50 other things. And knowing how to like 
just being able to keep that whole mental model in your head for like several months straight, like in meetings and as you're, you know, talking about changing things and people will ask you, you know, pretty quickly, like, hey, can we can we make that tweak? Can we can we do that instead of that? And you have to think about all the other things that are happening at the same time um, and making sure that that doesn't impact those things. Because uh, I think one of the challenges that we have because we ship yearly is we end up investing a lot of design time and building time, you know, over the course of nine months doing a bunch of different things. And then we'll have like a three month window where everything has to land at once. And that's a pretty intense uh, couple months because, you know, every everything kind of one thing will break another thing. And so trying to stay on top of all of that and get everything done um, when the constraints are kind of changing daily and uh, it's getting harder and harder to get things built because of other things that are happening and your time is just always shrinking. So I guess just staying focused on that and um, just mentally like knowing all the different pieces at the same time. Interesting. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see how you guys even catalog all the various aspects of the operating system. I don't know if you have some (laughs) system where at a glance you can see, you know, all the regions of the operating system that people are going to dive into, but I'm sure it's just an absolutely mind blowing amount of, of kind of different things. I mean, your job sounds almost, you know, more just like a general UX job where you're just thinking about the experience of, of using it. Um, and even as you said, maybe it isn't even so much about easing or like animation principles. Um, although, you know, on the actual material design, you know, you have these motion principles or say it needs to be informative, focused, expressive. Um, yeah. Is that one of the big challenges of just within this minimal design language, being able to, because in a sense, operating systems are kind of teaching us how to use them on the fly. Like, is that something you're constantly thinking about is just actually navigating all the the depth and utility of the system? Yeah, it's definitely a tricky balance. I think being on the OS side of things is ultimately our job is something that we, we need to kind of like allow users to get to where they're trying to get to in a quick and efficient manner. And so, um, yeah, I think there's times where you want to be like potentially even more expressive in something, but um, understanding the magnitude of like, if you change this one animation, this is going to play out for a user 80 times a day, times mm-hmm. that by how many millions of people are using Android. Like it's it's a pretty big ripple. Um, yeah. And so being pretty confident in those decisions <laughs> before you do them. <laughs> and uh, I still don't think you understand the magnitude fully. Um, I know I don't. I try to, but it's hard to kind of wrap your brain around sometimes. Um, in terms of the yeah. trade-off of expressiveness versus, well, this is just too slow. It should just, it should just be faster. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a hard one because I think especially, I think Google is, is still very much an engineering-led company. Um, I think there's like a lot more strong design thinking these days, but I think that if you look at like leadership and stuff, it's still very heavily like engineering driven. Um, and oftentimes that means you have conversations with engineers where, um, you know, they're, they're interested in metrics, they're interested in numbers. And so, you know, faster seems better. <laughs> and so, um, sure. and so, you know, I have these, um, conversations, not too much actually, cause I think our org is actually like really, um, supportive of motion design. And I work with really, really great engineers that care a lot about this stuff. And so I never really have to like defend, um, you know, the validity of doing, you know, nice motion design, because I work Mm -hmm. with people that kind of understand and care. But there's definitely times where it's like, well, 
why can't we just make that faster? Or, you know, some engineers would prefer to just turn the animation off completely, which would be much faster. <laughs> um, but it's also trying to balance that with like, okay, well, here's what we're trying to do with the user. Like we're switching from one context to another, you know, and we want to take that, you know, half a second or whatever to really help get them oriented in the new space. Um, but I've, I've spent months, you know, arguing over is essentially 200 milliseconds, which is, you know, two tenths of a second. And I've spent way too much time with people about that before. So uh, it, yeah, it can happen for sure. Yeah. Um, so before our discussion today, I kind of was talking to to people in our MoGraph Mentor Slack, asking people if they had any bit, any questions about the field. And we got a couple interesting ones. One being, um, how much UX knowledge do you need to start in the field? Like if somebody wanted a similar role that you're in, um, and this comes from Travis Krauss, who, I, who we both know. And yeah. he asked, if you can animate well, what are the other obstacles to clear uh, to get into this field? Yeah, I get asked this a lot, and it's yeah. it's so difficult. Because um, I, I came to Google with zero UX experience. Sure. Um, and so I was I was very fortunate to be able to do that. Um, and so I feel like when people ask me, I, like my answers are not always helpful because I, I didn't have that experience. But um, I do think at least the reason why I was even able to come in with no UX experience, the way, you know, it kind of happened here is um, it being a new role of motion designing. I think what they used to do is they would take interaction designers and they would try to teach them motion. And what they found over time is it was actually easier to take motion designers and teach them interaction design. Uh, ideally, we would hire somebody with both of those skill sets, but a lot of those people just don't really exist. And I, I spent a lot of time actually hiring last year for our team and reviewing applications. And yeah, it's, um, there's still very, very few people that walk in the door with the experience that we'd like them to have. And so there's, there's almost always um, this thing of like, okay, we know they have, we, they don't have this experience. And that's still kind of expected. I don't think that will stay that way for too long. Because uh, I think the market will start to correct. And even for myself, I knew when I got the job in here, and the door was open that it might not stay open for too long. And I was I was fortunate to kind of be able to come in when I did, because um, I even saw us, you know, last year rejecting candidates with way more experience than I had when I came in. Um, mm. But in general, I think what what they're looking for is they're looking for, you know, like do they have the ability to learn this new skill set, which everyone's kind of guessing on, which that's what makes interviewing for this position so tricky. Um, but they're looking for somewhat of a technical mindset, um, really interested in like how you problem solve. It's, it's oftentimes like much more important how, how you got somewhere and how you communicate that than the actual finished result. Mm -hmm. um, when we do interview for here, uh, for people, candidates here, um, there's like a design exercise. And I find for motion designers, it's, um, it's kind of like designing a part of an app or something. And, and we know that they don't specifically have that knowledge coming into it. But I, I end up leaning pretty heavily on that even versus their portfolio, because a lot of the portfolio mm -hmm. just isn't UX based. Um, but yeah, so coming to Google, I think if you can find any real world experience, that's obviously preferable. I just think that that's still kind of challenging to do. Um, but doing things like Lottie, like get it on your website, see if you can integrate it with clients, like little things like that still show like, okay, there's like a technical mindset here. Um, mm -hmm. They've understood how to translate this animation into code. Um, that's, that's helpful. It's, it's not full UX, but it's still like, it's a good step in the right direction. And I also think things just like, you know, leaning into expressions, that's definitely not like a requirement, but it, it still again shows like, okay, they're like using 
these things to like improve their workflow and work more efficiently. And it's, it's, it's code based. And so it kind of shows that kind of thinking. Um, but a lot of it, yeah, I mean, you, you do have to just be a really strong motion designer and there is going to probably going to be some level of a team kind of taking a chance on you that you'll pick up the UX skills, um, which isn't for everybody, but it's also fairly intuitive at the same time. So sure. uh, yeah, it's, it's tricky though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's interesting advice, that kind of technical mindset. It sounds like you're, you would also need people who communicate well with other teams. It sounds like a huge part of your role is trying to integrate what you do across, you were saying multiple other teams. Yeah, that's massive. Um, yeah, I interviewed a guy last year and super talented, like amazing portfolio. Um, even his design exercise was like really strong and I was, I was really impressed. Um, but when we came to the actual interview stage, you know, I was asking him about why he made the decisions he made and he just couldn't communicate those in a, in a way that, you know, gave any kind of confidence. And I think he was making even sometimes the right decisions, but it just, it just didn't come out. And this was consistent with other people as well. Um, that met with him, but they just couldn't figure out exactly why he did the things he did. And that's, that's really important here. And I've, I've had to kind of adjust to that too myself. Cause I'm, I'm very like, here's the finished work or here's, here's the nice version, like go run with that. Like, let's not talk about the 10 bad versions I worked on. Um, but I'm yeah. learning that it's like, it's really important to kind of show your work here. And it's, it's not cause people don't trust you, but it's just because if you can show your work and demonstrate how you arrived to a conclusion. It, it takes that pressure off of the director or whoever's making the decision. They know like, okay, I don't need to worry about that. Someone else doesn't need to worry about that. Like you've invested in this, you've thought about these other solutions, you know, they didn't work out. And so now we're going to go with this one. And so being able to communicate your process and why you are making the decisions you're making is, is really important. Yeah. So another question we got is which animation tools um, should animators who want to get into this field, should they be looking at and tinkering with? You know, you mentioned Lottie or something like Framer, perhaps. Do you have any insight into what they could be looking at learning? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely still use After Effects all the time. Uh, so keep keep using that. I think the benefit of After Effects is you can do whatever you want. And that's also the biggest downside of After Effects is you can do whatever you want. And so you can <laughs> you can cheat like a lot. Like and that was that's a big deal. It's like not you can do an interaction that's not technically possible in After Effects pretty quickly. And so you have to really be mindful of what you're doing inside of After Effects. Um, but it's still, I think, the most powerful tool to be able to communicate things that other prototyping tools just aren't capable of. Um, mm. But I do think having, yeah, some prototyping experience would be really great. I think, yeah, back to that other question of what you can do. Like, yeah, if you can show like, oh, hey, I made this prototype for this thing. Like, that's that's massive. That's really helpful to be able to see. Um, in terms of actual software, I like, I like Principle a lot for prototyping. Uh, it's pretty, um, it, it relates to After Effects in a nice way because it still has a timeline, which I think helps, that's at least the way I think, and I think a lot of motion designers think is in terms of this timeline. And so Principle has that, which is really nice. Um, Framer is is really, it's good, and I, I used it for a little bit, but it, it kind of switched to a place where it's, um, it's, it's, it's got a really high learning curve, and I'm not sure if the results are always worth it. Um, and with prototyping, it's always like, what's the, What's the quickest way I can do this to prove my idea? Um, and so you don't want to invest, over-invest into a prototype. And so I think things like principle are pretty nice for that. Interesting. In terms of, you know, the future of motion designers and interactive experiences, um, I, I wonder if you have any thoughts or insight into 
kind of where this is headed or if you think there are going to be more opportunities in this field for motion designers or will it be you know restricted to something like an operating system you're at google so i assume you see all the plans for the future um so yeah give, give us some insight into like yeah maybe what you think could be interesting kind of down the road even you know five ten years from now yeah no i definitely i definitely don't think it's going away i think it's going to continue to grow and um i think the value of motion designers and products is starting to really show and you can see it just in um, a lot of products but they're really valuing motion um, and for even a company like google to put so much of an emphasis on this is is pretty encouraging um, where we're going moving forward, um, I think that's a good question. I mean, I think every, you know, I mean, every application that's made, you know, could benefit from this on some level. And so I think, um, that's kind of what material design was trying to do is create this like unified system for apps to leverage. Uh, but over time, I think apps will want to express their brand more clearly and things like that. And so I think companies like Google will continue to hire for their, for their own apps and their own th things like that. I think other companies will as well. Um, I think the easy answer is oftentimes like AR or VR. Um, sure. I'm personally like a little more pessimistic now, having been here for a couple of years on that. Because um, <laughs> I, I, I think it's yeah, really yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. And I think it will happen at some part at some point. But um, VR is struggling. I think they can't find a really good use case for that. And so mm -hmm. I think that that will be a challenge, um, but maybe that will be a job to figure that out. <laughs> so that could be good. Sure. And, and I think AR is incredibly interesting, but I think that the tech is just not there yet. Um, yeah. So if we're saying five to 10 years, like, yeah, maybe on the 10 year spectrum, um, you yeah. know, once they do unlock that, a lot will happen. Um, yeah. But I just think a lot of experiences like motion designers can improve with, like, I mean, it could be like the computer flow for getting your bus ticket or it could be a lot mm -hmm. of things, but the more devices and things we interact with, um, I mean, if you go to like a fast food restaurant now, they have like a lot of these places have these digital signs where you or digital kiosks that you order your food and all that. And I just I think the more things that become digital and um, interaction based, they will need to be people designing those flows and those experiences. Yeah, it's it's really interesting, too. I think that's great advice about playing with various tools, maybe do some prototyping or, you know, if somebody does want to get into that field, it's not terribly difficult, as you said, to think of a use case like, yeah, we were just at Shake Shack, which I absolutely love. I don't know if you guys have that on the West Coast or not. We do. Uh, but they've basically went to like all, it was a brand new one. It's all kiosks to order. Um, and even something like that, yeah, mocking up how that could work. I wonder if there is a little bit of a hole in the market for motion designers to add some of that if if that's an area of interest for them. Um, I assume most of those jobs are probably geographically concentrated to where you are, <laughs> yeah. you know, the Valley and San Francisco and, and all those technology companies. But, you know, that part of the economy is thriving so much. Um, and it just it do, it does seem quite limitless at the moment in terms of of money being spent to develop new applications or or new games or or whatever it is um, that that studying these things and thinking about these problems is probably a good idea for people if they're interested in getting into that field. Yeah, no, definitely, and I think um, yeah, I think it can be easy to look at all the money that's poured into these things and. Um even like what, you know, tech pays compared to other fields and stuff. But if you also think about it, like it's pretty easy for a company the size of Google or 
another company like Airbnb or Lyft or Uber, or all these companies, like if you can make, you know, the tiniest change or improvement in their flow or in their experience, yeah. like it's pretty easy to like for that company to make that money, you know, that investment that they made in you back pretty quickly um, just because yeah. of the scale at which they operate. And so, yeah, I definitely think that this will continue and that it's a great field to be in and get into like, be a part of it. And um, I think sooner rather than later. <laughs> but I also think I also think the problem right now is there's just not a lot of like training and resources. But I also feel yeah. like as as the job role expands, those things will also kind of grow up to meet that as well. So I, I don't think it'll just be this like gold rush where you have to get in right now or you're out forever. I think like as, yeah. you know, as it expands, there'll also be more opportunities to get involved as well. Interesting. So you grew up in a small town of 500 people. Now you are working at Google, one of the world's largest companies, um, living in an area where I hear the traffic is is quite bad. There's a lot of people where you are. How are you finding um, the experience of living um, in the Valley? Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I, I love California a lot. Um, we, we really enjoyed it when we were in Southern California, and then we're also enjoying it up here in Northern um, yeah, I mean the, the valley itself is is it is a kind of a weird place. Um, it's it's a bubble, and you feel that um, mm. just in terms of. I mean, it's 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 really exciting because the people you meet, um, they're all for the most part working on really cool and exciting things, and there's a lot of really passionate people here, and a lot of super smart and talented people that have come here sure. to work. Um, it's also like a weird place because like nobody, for the most part, most people you meet here are not from here. And so yeah. kind of the analogy I use a lot is it's kind of like, there's just like a bunch of mercenaries that have come here, um, yeah. just, you know, here for money. Yeah. And if they got a yeah. better opportunity or something else, they would leave, you know, pretty quickly because mm -hmm. there's no family or real ties here. And so mm -hmm. it makes it feel like a pretty transient space. And you see a lot of people kind of coming and going. Um, mm -hmm. But there's, there's a really cool energy here. And it's, um, it is exciting. And in terms of the actual like location, other than the fact that it's like, unworldly expensive um it's yeah. it's not bad and we like to camp so there's a lot of amazing places within you know two hours of the here that are all very very different from each other mm. and so yeah i like it up here I, I like it up here a lot well that's great well incredibly happy for you remington it's exciting to get to follow kind of your your journey now at google um you know thank you for being one of those early adopters at mograph mentor and Maybe we can talk in the future about uh, the best way to put together some resources in this field that now you've had all these years of experience, uh, because I do think it is a big area of interest for people. Um, but all the best to you um, at Google and your beautiful family and your kiddos. And, um, and thank you so much for, for taking some time to uh, come on the podcast. Of course. Thank you, Michael. Thank you for listening to the MoGraph Mentor podcast. To learn more about MoGraph Mentor, check us out at mographmentor.com.